The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Jared Goff-Matthew Stafford trade, uh, obviously a trade with huge implications for the quarterback market, and what it could mean for Carson Wentz. Does it affect what the Eagles might do and what kind of compensation the Eagles could be seeking or might have to give up in order for a team to acquire Carson Wentz? We're getting to get into we're going to get into all of that coming up here over the next few minutes. We'll talk about Deshaun Watson and the Dallas Cowboys quarterback situation because that could throw a monkey wrench into the quarterback movement uh, this offseason. Plus, I'll also dip into some thoughts on the Nick Sirianni news conf- conference from last week. Uh, just some just some quick final thoughts as to put a bow on on what was an underwhelming news conference from Nick Sirianni. But just want to remind you folks that as we get ready for Super Bowl Sunday at BleedingGreenNation.com, you can continue to check us out every single day. So we'll have content about the Super Bowl and the latest news and rumors about what's going to be happening at the Super Bowl and with your Philadelphia Eagles every single day. And continue to come on back to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed because we are still churning out the content each and every day. All right, let's dive into this trade, first of all, with the Detroit Lions and Los Angeles Rams, where essentially the two teams swap quarterbacks. And we knew this was going to be a dynamic trade market this offseason for quarterbacks in the NFL, but I don't think anybody saw the seismic shift happen so soon. I think most of us figured this stuff was going to happen after the Super Bowl, but this is a really good time for all this to go down in this week before the Super Bowl is set to take place. Obviously, you got this bye week where everybody in the NFL world is not really doing a whole heck of a lot at this point. And so the Rams and Lions pulled off a blockbuster, the likes of which you don't usually see in the NFL. You don't usually see two big-time names like this being swapped for each other. But here you have the Lions and Rams trading each other's disgruntled quarterbacks for each other. The Detroit Lions get Goff, the former number one overall pick in the 2016 draft, obviously taken one spot ahead of Carson Wentz, who was taken at number two by the Philadelphia Eagles, a guy who took the Rams to the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago, had a very good season, has displayed some good seasons, has displayed some good things, but was pretty terrible in 2020 and has been a very uneven up-and-down quarterback. And so the, the, the Detroit Lions get Jared Goff to be their new starting quarterbacks, but the Lions also get first-round picks 
in next year's draft, 2022, and the 2023 draft, as well as a third-round pick this year. They also have to absorb Jared Goff's tremendously onerous contract, where they're going to be paying him more than $30 million, I think more than $32 million each of the next three seasons. In exchange, the Los Angeles Rams get a much better quarterback in Matthew Stafford, a guy who most people believe is a top 10 quarterback in this league, a guy who has been floundering in Detroit low these many years and will now finally get a chance to work for a head coach who knows what he's doing. Whatever you want to think about Sean McVay, he knows what he's doing. And Matthew Stafford, you've got to feel good for a guy like this who's been toiling for years in Detroit Finally, he's going to get a chance to play for a Super Bowl contender, a true Super Bowl contender. And it's pretty clear that Sean McVay had just run out of patience with Jared Goff and, and believed that he couldn't win with this guy. So, yes, I think this move makes the Rams a whole lot better. It really does vault them up another tier because what has been holding the Rams back? It's been Jared Goff. And this, this Rams team clearly is a head coach-driven team. The ownership in Los Angeles believes that Sean McVay is is the right guy to chart the course forward. And the situation in Los Angeles does on the surface appear to have so many similarities to the situation here in Philadelphia. I mean, you've got these two guys in Goff and Wentz who were taken one and two in the draft. So they're both at the exact same stage in their careers. Both franchises gave these quarterbacks franchise quarterback deals before the start of last season. So both quarter, both franchises seemed to be tied financially to these two quarterbacks. Now, I would argue that Carson Wentz has been a much better player than Jared Goff over the first four years of their contracts, over the first, first four years of their careers, 2016 to 2020. However, Carson Wentz and, and Jared Goff both were pretty terrible last year. I think Carson Wentz obviously has had more success than Jared Goff, has a higher upside than Jared Goff, but let's also remember the fact that Jared Goff has won playoff games. Carson Wentz has never completed a postseason game, and Jared Goff played in a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz really was an integral part in the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl, but he didn't win that Super Bowl. He didn't even play in that Super Bowl. And so what you have here are two quarterbacks at the same stage of their careers making close to the same kind of money, but the Los Angeles Rams clearly decided that they believe in Sean McVay. They believe in Sean McVay as the architect of their franchise and have hitched their wagons to their head coach to the point where they were willing to trade away first-round picks in 2022 and 2023 to move Jared Goff out of Los Angeles and bring Matthew Stafford into Los Angeles to be this team's new quarterback moving forward. And they truly believe Matthew Stafford gives them a true window of opportunity to win the Super Bowl here over the next couple of seasons. And they might be right. They might be right in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 that Matthew Stafford gives them the best chance and that it was worth giving up those first-round picks just to get the Jared Goff contract off their books. Now, Matt, Matthew Stafford is, is also making some some good money, but Really, this is a matter of giving up these future picks to, to move the God. They were so desperate to get Jared Goff's contract off their books that they were willing to kill themselves in the draft these next couple of years. And it makes sense for, for Detroit. They're in a rebuilding process, and they believe that Goff is probably good enough to take them through the next couple of years, and they're willing to take on this financial hit because they're, they are just trying to load up on, on young players. And so this makes sense for both sides. I can see where this works for both sides. 
and you would look at what the what the the Rams did with Jared Goff, and you would think to yourself, given how Goff played last year, how the organization, how Sean McVay feels about Goff, that the that the Eagles, if they're going to move on from Carson Wentz, would they have to do the same thing that the Rams did? Now the Rams got a franchise quarterback in return in Matthew Stafford. The Eagles, presumably, if they're trading Carson Wentz, are not bringing another quarterback in return in order to make a deal work. They're, they would just probably give the job to Jalen Hurts and or draft a guy at number six to be their next franchise quarterback. I will tell you right now, I do not see the Eagles doing anything like what the Rams did if they, if they move on from Carson Wentz. They're not giving up first-round picks to trade Carson Wentz. All right, if anything, they're looking to get a first-round pick back. I think that's a pipe dream. I don't think there's another team out there, even if they think that Carson Wentz can be repaired, I don't think there's another team out there that's giving the Eagles a first-round pick, even if it's a conditional first-round pick. Like, you know, say say Carson Wentz starts 16 games and makes the Pro Bowl and a second-round pick becomes a first-round pick. Maybe that happens. Maybe there's a team out there. Maybe the Colts or the Bears or another team out there, like the Broncos, needs a quarterback in the worst way that they're willing to do something like that. I don't see it. I, I don't necessarily see that happening. Although I will tell you that it's interesting. A former Eagle scout and current NFL Network analyst, Daniel Jeremiah, who I, I like a lot and think he's really smart and I think he's really plugged in, appeared on the Pat McAfee show on Friday and said that the opinion of Carson Wentz in a lot of the media is totally different than when you talk to people in the league. He said, I've talked to several general managers in the league who are like, you think they would really trade him? We would be in on that. Now, Jeremiah also says, I don't think he's getting traded. It's a rehabilitation thing. It's not a moving on thing. And that's kind of what we've heard from the Eagles, right? We've heard that during the search process that they were mostly interested in getting a coaching staff together that can rehabilitate Carson Wentz, that can fix Carson Wentz. Well, of course, as we've talked about on this podcast before, that mandates that Carson Wentz believes he needs to be fixed that he understands that there are mechanical issues that need to be fixed. There was a good piece in ESPN.com last week that talked about all of the different things that went into Carson Wentz kind of falling apart. That one of the reasons there was a breakdown in trust between Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson and the coaching staff, I think this actually translates to the to the coaching changes that Doug Peterson was forced to make going into last offseason, bringing aboard Scangarello, bringing on Morningweg, bringing in all these different guys trying to fit square pegs into round holes, trying to find these coaches to bring in these different ideas that didn't mesh with Doug Peterson's system. And so this team came into this year in training camp trying to trying to work all these things together, again, in a, in a COVID situation with a, without any OTAs during the course of the offseason. The offense didn't have an identity. As we've talked about on this podcast all season long, there was no identity to this, to this offense. And it's pretty clear Carson Wentz saw that too. He didn't trust the plays that were coming in. He didn't trust the offense that was being presented to him. And it's Carson's job to do what the coaching staff tells him to do. And it sounds like this team gave Carson a lot of leeway, probably more leeway than they should have given him when things started going badly. And Carson didn't trust the plays. He didn't know what the offense was supposed to be. And then the injuries started coming. He didn't have his security blanket, Zach Ertz, out there. He didn't have a young wide receiver. None of the young wide receivers were panning out. Jalen Rager wasn't out on the field because he got hurt. And when he was out there, he didn't seem to know what he was doing. And then you've got J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who was never a part of the uh, of the offense. And Deshaun Jackson gets hurt again early in the season. And so the Carson Wentz doesn't have anybody to throw 
throw the football to. And so now he's got an offensive line that kept changing week in and week out. So you don't, Carson Wentz doesn't know who's protecting him on a week in and week out basis. And Miles Sanders isn't out there for long stretches. And so now you've got a quarterback that doesn't believe in the offense. He doesn't believe in the play calls. He doesn't believe in his head coach anymore because the head coach doesn't believe in, in his coaching staff. He doesn't have the coaching staff in place that he wants to have. And so now Carson Wentz is panicking. His mechanics are going all to hell. His lower body doesn't know what his upper body is doing. And finally in the Packers game, he starts getting to the point where he's not even looking down the field anymore. He's more concerned about the rush coming at him that they have to get him out of there. All of these things are outlined in this ESPN article, and it all makes sense. It all makes sense that when you can't have a coaching staff put together. You can't have a coaching staff thrown at a head coach, and that's one of the reasons why Doug Peterson left. They didn't believe that Doug Peterson's decision-making on a coaching staff was good. And so they didn't believe that Doug Peterson should have kept Mike Groh. I'm starting to think now that we were wrong about Doug Peterson keeping Mike Groh. That maybe one of the reasons why the offense looked so bad in 2018 really truly was, or in 2019 really truly was, the fact that they were so banged up and, and injured. And that maybe they should have kept Mike Groh for, for 2019. And maybe they should have kept Carson Walsh. Maybe not. Maybe Carson Walsh truly was a disaster. But it was pretty clear that the meddling of the front office didn't give Doug Peterson a coaching staff to work with, and this all factored into Carson Wentz. And so maybe there are general managers out there that see everything that went on in Philadelphia, and they think to themselves, are they really going to trade Carson Wentz? And if so, maybe there is a team out there that's willing to trade a second-round pick for Carson Wentz. I don't think the Eagles are getting more than a second and a fourth for Carson Wentz, but the Eagles are not going to send draft picks anywhere to help get some team to take on Wentz's contract. The Eagles do not view Carson Wentz, at least as, at least as far as I can tell as a salary dump situation, get this guy off our hands as much as possible. If they believe that Doug Peterson would still be the quarterback, I mean, still be the head coach, right? They are not, I believe, looking at Carson Wentz as somebody that they have to get off their books. I think if there's a team out there that's willing to take on his contract and give them a second-round pick or a conditional first-round pick maybe for 2022, that maybe they would be willing to do that. Because I'd still believe that Wentz is a better player than golf, although I'm just... I don't have the heart anymore to go any further with Carson Wentz. And I think if there is a team that's willing to give you a second and a fourth, I would probably pull the trigger. I would probably pull the trigger to do that. Because Wentz's 2020 season maybe wasn't just as bad as Goff's. We we never, we haven't seen, there's no way to gauge Carson Wentz's trade value. There really isn't. Because we've never seen a guy of Carson Wentz's talent go from 2017 and really still be a very good top 10 quarterback in 2018 and 2019 to becoming literally the worst quarterback in football. Only Sam Darnold was worse than Carson Wentz in terms of quarterback rating, and it was by a tenth of a point. We've never seen a quarterback go from that to that. And it was and you see everything that was going on with this toxic relationship between Carson and Doug Peterson and the coaching staff. We've never seen this before. We don't know how to gauge Carson Wentz's trade value. And you see the contract that Carson Wentz has wrapped around his neck. The Eagles would have to take on more dead money than the Rams would have to take on in order to make this work. Right? So that's part of the equation here, too. 
And so we don't know how much Carson Wentz is pushing for a trade. We don't know how he feels about Nick Sirianni and the new coaching staff. We still have not seen Carson Wentz say a dadgum thing about anything that's gone on this offseason. The last social media post he had was on Christmas talking about something personal until this past week when Carson Wentz released a tweet that was sponsored by Nationwide Insurance congratulating Rodney McLeod for his charity work. We still don't know what Carson Wentz feels about Nick Sirianni, right? He had, the only thing we've heard from Carson Wentz was at the end of the season, through his management, leaking things to the press about wanting to be traded and being unhappy with the front office and being unhappy with the Doug Peterson coaching staff. Well, it's Nick Sirianni, it's Nick Sirianni now. We don't know how Carson Wentz feels. So let's just say, I, I want to throw some hypotheticals out there. There are, some, there are some teams out there that would desperately need a quarterback. The Carolina Panthers are a team that would love to have a quarterback, right? Uh, let's run down the list. The Jets, the Dolphins, um, the Colts, obviously, have been linked to Carson Wentz quite a bit. That still makes the most sense to me. But the Bears, the Broncos, the Saints, the Washington football team was said to be very interested in trading for Matthew Stafford. It's also clear that if the Rams wanted Matthew Stafford, there are a lot of other teams that they were competing with competing with and they had to make it worth the lion's while to pull the trigger so that's another reason why they had to offer a couple of first round picks are there teams out there that look at Carson Wentz and say hey listen we could go after Deshaun Watson if you're the Washington football team for example are you willing to trade multiple first rounders three first let's say three first rounders because that might be what it takes if 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 Jared Goff I mean, if Matthew Stafford cost you two first-rounders, would Deshaun Watson also cost you two first-rounders? No, again, there, there's there's contracts to consider here. But if you're the Washington football team, would you would you trade a second and a fourth or a conditional first and a third for Carson Wentz as opposed to multiple first-round picks for Deshaun Watson? I might be more willing to do that especially if Ron Rivera thinks that they can fix Carson Wentz. But if you're the Eagles, would you trade Carson Wentz to the Washington football team? It's not unheard of. Remember, after the 2009 season, the Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to the Washington football team. Now, I think it was pretty clear Donovan was washed at that point. And Carson Wentz might be washed, but he's still much younger. He's still very much on the better side of age 30. He's, what, 28 years old? And as you heard from Daniel Jeremiah, there's a lot of football teams out there, a lot of GMs that still think Carson Wentz can be resurrected. So what if the Eagles didn't have to give up any any picks and Washington football team agreed to take on his contract? What if they gave you a first? Would you trade him to the Washington football team? Would you be willing to risk that? I mean, what if it was just a, what if it was a second round pick this year and a second round pick next year? I'm curious what you what it would take for you to trade him in division. Is I guess the point I'm getting at here. And if you, I would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this podcast, I would love to hear from you. Hashtag Wentz Trade. All right. Hit me back on Twitter at John Stolness. Hashtag Wentz Trade. What would it take for you to trade Carson Wentz to the Washington football team? I'm just curious because I think there's a lot of you Eagles fans out there who really still do believe in Carson Wentz and believe he can be resurrected. Until I see an attitude change from Carson Wentz, I'm not a believer that he can be changed because I don't think he's a guy who believes he needs to be changed, right? So I'm not he's a, I'm not sure he's a guy that's going to listen to Nick Sirianni and the new coaching staff. I'm not sure he's a guy who's going to listen to the new quarterback's coach. I'm not sure he's a guy who's going to listen to anybody other than himself because I think here's a guy who believes he's got all the answers.
and that he, it was all the coaching staff's fault that that for, for how things went. And certainly I believe the coaching staff takes a lot of blame. But I wonder how much the Philadelphia Eagles really truly do believe that Carson Wentz can be rehabilitated. If they really truly, truly believe it, they're not going to trade him to the Washington football team. But if there's a part of them that believes that they're better off with Jalen Hurts at quarterback and maybe picking a guy at number six, and Washington comes and they say, we'll give you a first, do they pull the trigger? Is that enough to get you to trade him in the deck? That's risky. What if Washington fixes him? What if Wentz can be fixed and he's torturing you for the next five years, twice a year? It's a big risk. It's a big risk. And it's a risk for Washington, too, because maybe Carson can't be fixed. And there's not a lot of offensive talent in Washington right now. You know, do they go with Alex Smith and Tyler Heineke in 2021 and roll the dice there? Or do they go after Deshaun Watson and give up a ton more trade cap capital? Washington is not a complete football team. They still need a lot of help. They still need their first-round picks. Are they going to give up multiple years of first-round picks for Deshaun Watson at this point? I don't know. It's a lot of this, a lot of it. That's why this is such a fascinating quarterback trade market this offseason. And there are a lot of teams that need help at quarterback. A team like the Miami Dolphins, are they convinced that, that Tua is their guy? They went 10 and 6. They're not going to be picking early in the first round. Would they go after Carson Wentz? The New York Jets, I don't know why they would trade. They could, they're going to be picking really early, right? The New York Jets just, you know, they might not be, they might not be getting, you know, the top guy. They, they, they might not be getting the number one guy. They, they don't have the number one pick, but they certainly are picking high enough to get a, a marquee franchise quarterback. So there's a lot of teams with quarterback needs. The Eagles have a quarterback who may or may not be on the trade block. We really, truly just don't know all that much about the Carson Wentz trade block. But the Jared Goff situation, the trade that went down between the Lions and the Rams— it, it could have minimal impact on the Eagles. I just think that the two situations are really different. And even though there's a lot of similarities between Goff and Wentz as, in terms of contract, in terms of their play in 2020, I think the perception of each guy within their organization is different. And I don't believe the Eagles are looking to just get rid of Goff and find someone to take on that contract and are willing to help facilitate that by giving away first-round picks of their own. The Eagles are not going to do that. So if the Eagles trade Carson Wentz, they might not get a first-round pick for him. It might be a second-rounder and a fourth-rounder or something like that. But I'm not convinced that Nick Sirianni and this coaching staff can fix Carson Wentz. And if I'm the Eagles, I'm at least seriously considering a deal like that moving forward. All right, when we come back, I do want to dip into the Nick Sirianni news conference just a bit. Some interesting nuggets that I thought actually give a window into what we heard and what we believe could happen with Carson Wentz this offseason. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back with Eye on the Enemy. So I'm not going to play a lot from the Nick Sirianni news conference because we've talked a lot about it already. There's been a lot said. I don't have a whole lot of earth-shattering, you know, observations to make about this thing. I, I think a lot of the criticisms of how he stammered and his stuttering and all that, I think the guy was just nervous. Would I have liked to have seen him come in confidently and take command of the news conference like I believe he'll take command of the football team? Absolutely. He looked like he wasn't ready for it. Which is kind of inexcusable when you think it's been nine when you figure it's been nine it was nine days between when the hiring was announced and and when he actually held the news conference. You would have liked to have seen him be a little bit more prepared. But I also believe that the formatics of it didn't exactly render itself 
useful and helpful to Sirianni. I mean, you had Jeffrey Lurie talking about Jeffrey Lurie for the first 25 minutes of the news conference before he finally turned it over to Nick Sirianni. And then Jeffrey Lurie's doing it from a computer in a, re- in a, in a remote location someplace, whereas then it goes to Sirianni, who's waiting to be cued by someone at the um, in the Eagles PR team. And you know, he, he's just waiting for his turn to speak at a podium at the Novacare complex in what was presumably a mostly empty auditorium with the reporters probably not being visible to him. It had to be very weird and awkward. And so I'm sure that he, in his mind, envisioned being able to do it a lot more smoothly. I know a lot of people out there were posting videos of him hemming and hawing and, and saying ridiculous stuff and, and speaking in a very unconfident way. And that he came across as less than confident is really what it was. And I get that. Okay, but I'm also not going to kill the guy for his delivery because Doug Peterson was bad at news conferences. Andy Reid's inaugural news conference was really awful. You know who had a really good opening news conference was Ray Rhodes. And Ray Rhodes was not exactly the best coach this team has ever had. He was okay. He won a playoff game. He got to the team, got the team to the playoffs his first two years here. Had some success, but only lasted four years in Philadelphia. So let's let's not pretend that being coming in and being commanding at a news conference is, is everything it's cracked up to be because it's not. What matters is whether Nick Sirianni can actually fix Carson Wentz. I just, you know, I can't imagine doing an interview with Jeffrey Lurie is any more relaxing than talking to the media. So I wonder how he came across in the interviews for for his job. And if he came across at all like that, I'm amazed he got the job. And it tells you a little bit about some of the other guys that they were talking to for this gig. But what really bothered me more about Nick Sirianni's news conference was not how he spoke. It was what he said. I'll play the first clip for you. It was when it was his obviously the first question out of the gate was about has he had any conversation with Carson Wentz since he took over? And of course he has. And here's what he had to say about that. Yeah, I I can't I can't speak on that, uh, Dave. I've talked to Carson. I've talked to I've talked to I've been reaching out to our players. It's been a whirlwind, obviously, so far as far as. You know, just the amount of things that do to, to as we as I've took this job and, and a week into this job, but trying to communicate with all our players uh, as quickly as as quickly as I can. Uh, I've t- I've talked to Carson. We've had good conversations and or good conversation. I know he's talked to our offensive coordinator as well. And you know, just excited again, just excited to work with him uh, as we move here forward. So it's clear he was not going to answer any real questions about Carson Wentz. And, and he was also asked about any questions, any conversations he had about Jalen Hurts. And I thought this was inf- informative and a little bit instructive, too. Yes, I've also spoke to Jalen. Um, again, I will, I'll keep our conversations um, uh, private. Just, you know, those are conversations between uh, the player and I. Um, but same conversation with him is that I'm really excited to work with him. He's, he had a great, I mean, we studied him last year, had a great college tape. He played meaningful snaps this year that, that he played well on. So, well in. so, you know, the conversation with him and the conversation with the guys that I've had is, you know, really excited to start working with you. Really, really this, I'm like, excited to work with you. And the, most of the conversation is getting to know the individual um, besides football. I'm going to learn a lot about him in football. I know I'm going to learn a lot about him in football in this next week, but I wanted to know a little bit more about each each player that I've talked to personally, right? And then when I look at the tape, and I and I look forward to this, looking to, at the tape of being honest and having honest and open conversations with each one of them of what I saw on the tape and how we can improve, all of us improve. Finally, he was also asked if there would be a quarterback competition in training camp. And obviously he wasn't going to answer that. And he kind of hemmed and hawed, but I, it was this comment specifically and what he said in response to that, that really kind of struck me the wrong way. 
again, that, that's something that we have to look at, look at and value, evaluate, and I'm not ready to say that either way yet. We're, we're just evaluating our players, evaluating every position, and, and every position, right? We don't, I don't, we don't know any of these guys really yet uh, from what we've seen on tape so far because we haven't, we haven't watched any. So every position that is going to be evaluated and every position is going to be you know, open I guess to say, and we're, we're, we can't wait to, again, can't wait to start watching the tape and, and seeing what our players can do. Did you hear it? What, what really bothered me there, and it was one of a couple of times in which, in which Sirianni said that he hadn't really watched any tape yet on these guys. Now, again, maybe it was an inartful way of saying that they haven't made a final decision, that they're still working. But they basically were saying, we've been so busy getting coaches hired that we haven't had a chance to take a look at any tape from 2020 on these guys. That we're so busy. You know, he, he was asked about the wide receivers and about Jalen Rager and specifically. specifically and, and he basically said, we haven't looked at any tape on any of these guys just yet. Listen, if you haven't broken down Jalen Rager tape just yet, I understand that. But you had to know that going into your interview process with Jeffrey Lurie, that you were going to be asked, can you rehabilitate Carson Wentz? What do you think about Carson Wentz's 2020? That had to come up, right? He has to have an opinion about what happened with Carson Wentz in 2020 in order to have any time, any kind of an intelligent answer about whether or not he can fix Carson Wentz, right? Whether or not his, his team can do anything with Carson Wentz. Is Carson Wentz a lost cause? He's not going to say in the news conference yes or no. He's not going to make a decision on his quarterback for 2021. Right. We all knew that anybody expecting him to, to lay down the line and say, yes, Carson Wentz is our guy in 2021 was expecting too much. But I do think it offers a window into how this team thinks about Carson Wentz, that they are not convinced that they're leaving open the possibility of trading Carson Wentz. If they truly 100 percent believed that Carson Wentz was fixable. They would have said, because of all the money they've invested in him, because of everything he's done before 2020, they would have said, we believe this was a crazy year. We believe we didn't help this kid with the coaching staff that we had. We believe in, in Carson Wentz. He's our quarterback of the future. He is fixable. He's our guy. The fact they didn't say that means they're open to the possibility that Carson Wentz won't be their guy, which means it's open to the possibility that they could trade him. So that's out there. So despite everything you're hearing about the Eagles believe that Carson Wentz is going to be their guy, that he's fixed, if that was the case, Nick Sirianni would have said that in the news conference, right? The fact that he didn't, I'm not surprised by that. I don't think anybody is surprised by that, but it is an indication. It does tell you something about where this team is on Carson Wentz. Now, I don't like the fact that he kept saying, we haven't seen any tape. He, he said something along the lines of, you know, I spent tape all year watching the, our opponents all year. Yes, obviously, Nick Sirianni, we don't expect you to be watching Eagles tape all season, thinking maybe there was a chance you were going to get this job. But in the nine days between when you were hired and when you took this gig and when you, you met with the reporters, and in the process of interviewing for this job, I would have thought that you would have seen some tape. Now, maybe he has been watching tape. Maybe they have been going through some of the roster, and in some of this time, they have been watching tape on some of these players, on some of these position groups. Maybe they have been doing that. And that, again, he was nervous, and this was in our— maybe, you know, what he should have said is, 
you know, we've been hiring coaches. We've been going through this. You know, I've been talking to some of the players. You know, we've been going through that process. And I've been, I, we've been breaking down some of this tape. We're still analyzing it. We're still looking at it. We're just getting started. We're in the beginning stage of this process. What you shouldn't say is, I don't know. We haven't been watching any tape. Because it makes you sound unprepared. It makes you sound like you don't have any answers yet. That you haven't been investigating. That you, you have to have been at least somewhat aware. I mean, what you say is basically, listen, Carson Wentz struggled because Carson Wentz was the talk of the NFL this year. This was the most interesting 4-11-1 team in football. ESPN spent hours and hours and hours covering Carson Wentz and the Eagles, right? Carson Wentz was the worst quarterback in football to get this much attention. This was not, this was not an Eagles-only thing. Carson Wentz and what was going on with the Eagles offense was not only of interest to Philadelphia. The rest of the league, it was the talk of the rest of the league. Carson Wentz's fall from grace was the number one talking point day after day after day on NFL Network and ESPN. This was not some inside football thing here in Philadelphia. Just about everybody in the league has an opinion. And the fact that Frank Reich was the head coach of the is the head coach of the Colts and was Nick Sirianni's right and was and he was Nick you know Nick Sirianni was Frank Reich's right hand man. They had to have had conversations about Carson Wentz, especially once it became clear that he was a prime candidate for this job. So no, I didn't expect Nick Sirianni to give any any special hints or clues, but I did expect him to come across as having a little bit more knowledge of the situation and not to just say. Gosh, I don't know. We haven't watched any tape on Carson Wentz. Again, it could have just been an inartful way of answering, of trying to come up with a non-answer. Because that's what he's doing here. He's trying to figure out a way to answer the question without answering it. I get it. Which is why I'm giving this guy a pass. Because I don't think his boss, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, know what they want to do with Carson Wentz yet. And he's kind of in a tough spot. And I get that. I'm trying to give him a little bit of grace there. But you've got to be able to talk a little bit better than that in order to make it sound like you're not guessing, that you're unprepared, that you don't know. So listen, I understand. Nick Sirianni looked like a deer in headlights in this news conference. He did not look ready. He did not look prepared. Part of it might have been the format. Part of it is that this franchise is in a very weird place right now. And this is a first-time head coach who's never been center stage before. He looked like he wasn't ready for it. I will grant you that. Do I think that means he's not ready for the job? It doesn't, but I'm also not terribly confident, right? I think it's fair. If you watched that news conference and you left less than confident in his ability to command a locker room, to command a staff, if you if you walked away less than confident, I don't blame you. I think he probably does have a very good offensive football mind. He seemed much more at ease talking about the X's and O's. That's what an offensive coordinator does, right? And that's an offensive coordinator. When he talks to the media, they talk about the X's and O's and what's working. As a head coach, he's going to have to do more than that. He's going to have to be more than just an X's and O's guy. But a lot of these guys, they grow into that. Doug Peterson was never good at the news conferences. But he came across, obviously, to his players as a guy who was in control. Say what you want about Doug Peterson. His players loved him, always played hard for him, always had his back. And we'll see if Nick Sirianni, under the, who was under the tutelage of a guy that I think everybody would love if he came back as head coach, Frank Reich, 
I, I, I feel I feel pretty good about bringing on a head coach who was under Frank Reich. Do I necessarily believe Nick Sirianni was the best guy for this job? I obviously do not. I wanted Eric Bieniemy. I wanted Nick Dable. Dick, uh, Nick Dable. I wanted one of these other, you know, sex one of these sexier head coaching names. But it's pretty clear that Howie Roseman was going to be the one calling the shots. And you didn't want and, and these these higher profile guys didn't want to be subject to Howie Roseman, which is why, listen, Nick Sirianni was one from the second or third tier. And maybe Nick Sirianni is a caretaker head coach and he's here for two or three years. I hope that's not the case because I don't want to go through this again. But he I mean, this was not a this is not a great performance, but it is not a death knell. It's not a nail in the coffin for Nick Sirianni. Let's give the guy a chance to get a little bit better. He's going to be on the 94 WIP morning show on Monday. So we'll hear what he has to say there. Maybe it'll maybe things will come across a little bit better there. And we'll see how he does here over these next few weeks and months. And frankly, Nick Sirianni is not the most is is not the biggest problem with this team. The biggest problem is the guy above him. It's Howie Roseman continuing to remain in control of this team, continuing to remain in control of the draft, continuing to remain in control of the personnel, and we 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 still we absolutely know Howie Roseman is going to be in control of the 52-man roster. And Sirianni says he believes he'll be in charge of the game day roster. It would be quite an interesting scenario if Howie Roseman is telling Nick Sirianni who's going to be available during game day. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be very interesting to see with the you know all the different coaches. The new quarterback coach was very close to Jalen Hurts. It's going to be very very interesting to see how all this shakes out over these next few weeks and months, especially as this quarterback trade market um, continues on. And one of the things we didn't talk about was how Dak Prescott fits into all this. I mentioned the Cowboys situation. Remember, the Cowboys and Dak Prescott have to get their situation resolved by March 9th. Right, they have until the March 9th franchise designation to decide whether or not they're going to sign him to a long-term contract. If they choose not to, and I still believe, based on the stuff that Jerry Jones has said about the quarterback situation, I believe Jerry Jones doesn't want to dump big money into the quarterback situation. I think he wants to, and the way they're throwing money around at these other positions, I don't know how you can pay Dak Prescott the money that he wants. I think there's a reason they haven't done it yet. And coming off a major injury like this, I think there is a strong chance the Cowboys will not sign Dak Prescott to a long-term contract. And if that's the case, I think the Cowboys have to look to trade him. And so now you throw in Dak Prescott, a guy who I think is super talented. I think he's obviously, I think he's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. I don't think there's any way you could say that he's not. I used to always believe Wentz was the better quarterback. I don't see how you could say that now. But he is coming off a major injury. Coming off a major injury, is there a team willing to give up a first-rounder for Dak Prescott? I think there probably is. I think the Cowboys could get a first-round pick. And so if they do, why wouldn't you trade Dak Prescott? Because if you're not sure how he's going to come back off the injury, let's say the Cowboys are picking number 10 in the draft. You're not going to be able to draft a quarterback, a franchise quarterback right there if you want one. But what if you trade Dak Prescott and you get another first-round pick? Maybe you take that first-round pick and, say, a third-round pick and move up in the draft and move up from 10. Maybe you take that late first-rounder or whatever it is you get for Dak Prescott. Say say the Denver Broncos. Maybe the Denver Broncos. Maybe it's a team further. Maybe the Dolphins, right? Let's say the Dolphins, who are picking in the middle of the first round, middle, middle to late first round. Let's say they trade you their first-round pick. 
Okay. So can you move up from wherever it is, whatever first round pick it is you get from whoever you trade for Dak Prescott and you take number 10, can you move that up into the top five and take your friend and, and get a new franchise quarterback right there and, and save a ton of money at the quarterback position? Would that be a crazy thought for Jerry Jones to do? I don't think it would be. And now all of a sudden you've got another quarterback on the free agent market that's making that's muddying the waters for Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. It would be a truly a fascinating move. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'm thinking seriously about doing I think he's thinking seriously about doing that. Trading Dak Prescott to another team for a first-round pick and then taking his number 10 overall pick and the first-round pick he would get for Dak Prescott and moving into the top five to select a new franchise quarterback so he, so he doesn't have to pay Dak Prescott. A player I don't think he wants to pay. I think if he wanted to pay Dak Prescott, he would have already done it, and he would have dumped all the money into Ezekiel Elliott and all these other guys, right? So it's going to be a fascinating offseason, fascinating next few weeks in Dallas to see what they do with Dak Prescott coming off a major injury, a season-ending injury last season. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Lots of fascinating stuff to talk about with the Eagles and with the NFL and the quarterback carousel. Uh, Don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day. Please leave a rating and a review for Eye on the Enemy. Let me know what you think about this podcast in particular. Five-star rating goes a long way to helping helping us out on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think and tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Yeah.